LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins. And today I'm here with Dan Eiton. Hey, hey. And a friend that, I don't know, we've had a lot of interactions over the years, um, but a, a, a good friend, Tyler Reagan. I uh, hope I said your name right. Especially you did. I see, I, knew you, I could see you were nervous about it. I was. Sometimes I get that. And, you know, <laughs> you could be friends with somebody and never ask them, hey, how do I pronounce your last name? Because that's true. I'm just start referring to you as Tyler. Uh, yeah, and if that name does sound familiar, it's because he is an author. He is a speaker. He is a uh, leadership consultant and co-founder of 1010, which you know, most of the people that listen to this podcast are um, are pastors and church leaders. And talk a little bit about um, Ten Ten and the heart behind that, really quickly, before we get started. Yeah, Ten Ten Project came from um, losing a couple of pastor friends to suicide in a twelve month window, and I was just um, honestly, I was doing my own little consulting thing and not working uh, a lot in the national Christian space and just doing my stuff. And then, um, yeah, just tired of losing my friends, whether it's to suicide or, or other things that are taking them out of ministry. And so me and a friend, Josh Turner started this thing. It's based on Ecclesiastes 10, 10. It says when the ax grows dull, it's harder to swing, but with skill comes success. And we're just trying to put senior level church leaders and group together for a year. We do excursions. We do an onsite experience with onsite workshops to really just go, what is long longevity, long-term sustainable pastoral ministry look like and how do you do it in a healthy long-term way. So we're just trying, we're two years in this month, which is crazy. We've taken about 35 guys um, through uh, two years of different sorts of excursions and coaching and um, care. And just honestly, man, watch I did, a few weeks ago, we just finished a, a year of a group and watching how tight, like, you ever been in a room where you're like, this, this group should never be like, there's no reason these <laughs> seven people should be together. That's what it's like, but it's beautiful because they are as tight as any group of pastors I've ever seen. And so uh, really just trying to take care of our friends at the end of the day. Um, what's really interesting and unique about, I think what you guys do is it's not just, um, it's not just an excursion for pastors that are right. right insiders and influencers and you get to go do this fun thing and y'all hang out and you come back. This is extremely intentional in, um, keeping, keeping people in the saddle. So if you've already fallen out of the saddle, this is not for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we try to call it prehab, right? It's, yeah. it's, we want to get you before you go off the rails. Like, right. So there is the fun component. There is the shoulder to shoulder component that like, you know, kind of binds people together, but it's also heavy on, um, helping people understand who they are and where their weaknesses might be. And, um, really living more intentionally as a leader, both personally and, uh, and the people that you lead. So I, I really yeah. love it. Um, and thank you for doing it, um, for so many pastors and, you know, you won't know this side of heaven, what the impact was. Um, but man, I just really appreciate what you do. So Dan, 
Let's get into our five leadership questions. Let's get into it. Question one, Tyler, who are you learning from right now? Besides, besides the two of you, um, no, there's a, there's a couple things. And one of the things I've always tried to teach leaders, you know, and Maxwell and a million other people claim this quote, but leaders are learners. Um, if there's not a system for learning in leadership, then you're, you're, you're going to miss the boat. You're not going to think about it. Like there was one group of a church I was coaching with for a while and um, they decided to, to stop with coaching for a while. They're like, we're good. And, and they said, cause what happens is we, we tend to, when you're in town or whoever's, you know, like we, we really focus on the leadership stuff. And then for a month um, we don't think about it until you come back. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> that's, that's not, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, an issue not thinking about it at all. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm just going to warn you that for the next six months, you're not going to think about it at all. And like, say, unless someone pays attention to it. So I say that as a precursor to the fact that I try to constantly be absorbing something. So for instance, Harvard business review, I have my settings set up that I get a management tip every morning that I get, you know, a weekly update of their top uh, leadership articles. I just have some systems in place that get in front of me, whether I'm paying attention to it or not. Uh, one book I'm reading right now is by a friend of, I'm sure you guys know William Vanderblumen as well. He's a friend of mine and um, I'm helping a couple of churches with succession and transition right now and, and the conversations around that. So I'm learning some of his perspective on that. Obviously I've written about it a little bit. Um, and then this is going to sound really weird. I have, um, I have a starting to be a ninth grader and a sixth grader boys. And I'm watching them lead through this transition of us moving to Florida, all these other things. I've learned so much about flexibility and grace and care from my boys in the last, you know, six weeks that it has really been a fun thing to watch for me. So I've learned from them as well. Um, and I, I know part of this is like, well, who can these other people learn from? I'm like, well, maybe your kids. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's super helpful or not, but those are a few places that I'm um, I'm spending some time in. I think it's really helpful in general. You know, I, I love that Maxwell quote as well. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I always uh, throw in on that too. And I probably stole it from somebody, but don't know who it is. Um, and that's leaders. Uh, if you're not a learner, you got a short shelf life. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so... I think it's all about the posture, though, because what you're talking about is if your approach to life is a learning posture, um, then unfortunately for your family, everything uh, comes back yes. to learning. And, and so and leadership. So for me, I I can find a leadership lesson in almost anything. And my family is tired of hearing about it. But <laughs> me too. My kids are like, really, Dad? I, I we just actually went fishing. That's all we did. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, but do you know what it represents? Yes. Um, so, so I, I do think it's it is maybe um, it's about having a, a a learning posture and making sure that that is yep. something that you do intentionally and. What you have done is put wheels on that by saying, I'm going to organize my uh, day and calendar in such a way that I make sure I'm being fed these things. For me, I have the luxury of talking to pastors um, a lot. And so half the time I'm talking to them about some problem. So for me, it's awesome because I'm usually I process at a higher level 
and I find my best content um, when I'm helping somebody else solve their problem. Sure. Cause sometimes I'm chasing stuff down or I'm like, Oh, I completely forgot about this article from, you know, 2008 in HBR on leading from the second chair yeah. or, or whatever it is. And going back to that, um, I, I think, man, um, it's really, it, it, it's really a, a blessing to be a leader, but at yeah. the same time, um, that holds true. If you're, especially in this day and age, if you're not a learner, well, there's an example. I, I was talking to one of the guys here at the, the church last week and we're, I, I don't even remember what we were talking about. And I just simply made this comment and I was, I was doing this thing about a, a metaphor and it was, I was kind of, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you just kind of start rolling with something that, that seems to make sense. And I was talking about how, when you, when you start a locomotive or an engine, there's a different kind of fire, a different kind of uh, fuel that's required. But the momentum isn't built in the start. It's built with the maintenance. It's built with taking the coal from one place and adding it to the fire that already exists. Mm -hmm. And I just made this comment that maintenance creates momentum. And I was like, oh, wait, I got to think about that for a few minutes. I wrote it down. And so honestly, for the last two weeks, I've been thinking about the fact that so many people get, uh, get enamored with the start but don't want to do the day-to-day -day reality of maintenance that actually is the thing that builds momentum. If you don't do, uh, you know, I have said this a million times. I learned it from uh, when I worked at North Point that um, a good product with a bad process is a counterfeit win. Well, you might have a win. You might've started something great, but if you're not going to keep feeling that thing properly, the momentum is going to die. It's literally going to. So I say that Todd, in terms of posture it was just a thought, a metaphor, a conversation. Well, I've wrestled with it now for a couple of weeks in, in a posture of how does this play out? Like, what does this look like for leaders? Is this true? Is this just a theory? Um, and the more I've thought about it, the more I go, this is actually something to think about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So talk to us a little bit more about counterfeit wins. So, yeah, um, I love say it again. Say it again, say it again. <laughs> so a good product with a bad process is a counterfeit win. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. Churches are filled with it. We pull off a Sunday, but we don't want to be in the room together on Monday. Like the people that attended don't know any of the process. All they got to experience is the product, right? And I know churches like, don't call Sunday a product. Well, it is a product of the work you've done. It's a product of the right. things you've produced. So the, the truth is they might've experienced an incredible experience, incredible Sunday. God even moved, but the team can't be in the room together on Monday. It's not sustainable. It's not a long-term win. Uh, how many ministries have you heard of that go, oh yeah, they just, th that pastor, that group, they run through people all the time. They burn them out and they go, move on to the next group. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a counterfeit win. They it's might the, grow their church. They might be able to have the big numbers. They might even have the huge events. But if you can't be in the room together on Monday, that's a problem. It's kind of the, uh, the inertia of success of some ministries within the church. Um, they may not be aligned with the vision. They may not be aligned with the mission. Um, but there's either a force of will or force of personality yeah. or force of something. Or, or it was successful at one point in time. But it's that inertia of success that actually keeps it from dying. It's good, I guess, but not great. Like whatever thing you want to say, but I love that phrase um, that it's a counterfeit win. 
Because it, it is. may be winning. Because it so. feels like a win. That's the hard part. It feels like a win, but it's not sustainable. And that's that's why it's counterfeit. It's short-term, low-hanging fruit. It is not a long-term, really good win. Tyler, tell it, uh, second question for you today is, um, you know, what what's kind of the main point of emphasis right now for your leadership? Yeah, as, as I mentioned about 1010 Project, um, I am spending a lot of my days thinking through the realities pastors are dealing with. The reality that I'm no longer surprised when we have a moral failure at a significant church or a small church. And I wish I was. The realities that wellness and longevity and sustainable ministry is becoming harder and harder to find. And so a lot of my days are spent dreaming about, praying about, look, guys, at the end of the day, I'll be real honest. I've had plenty of reasons to walk away from the church like a lot of other people have, right? Mm -hmm. But Jesus loved the church. And I love the church because Jesus loved the church. And I think I, I know I want to leave it better than I found it. And a lot of that has to do with the leaders that are sitting in the seats of them understanding how important taking care of themselves, their inner, their emotional well-being, their health, their physical health, their spiritual health, the things that will keep them in the game, but also where entitlement sneaks into the ministry, where these things are, are creeping up the cocktail that the enemy will mix for you so that it takes you out of the game. And so I'm spending just a lot of time, not only here at, at first Orlando trying to help make sure our team stays that way, but as I serve pastors in general, what does wellness look like? What does sustainability look like? What does longevity look like in ministry? Not just, I gave it a good run for five years. Now I'm at a marketing agency, which tends to be where a lot of pastors are ending up these days. Hmm. It sure seems like it. Um, so l- let me ask you a follow-up question to that as well. Um, you know, man, it's so interesting because you hear like different, different things become popular uh, in the leadership space over the course of time. And, and if you've been around a while, you, you see it cyclically come through. So boundaries is one of those topics. Um, yeah. Boundaries and balance. It, and so how do you feel about boundaries and or balance? Is it no, um, you know, you, you need boundaries, but boundaries make you compartmentalize. Uh, so they're not good. Is it life is ministry and ministry is life. There's not compartments. Is it like, how are you feeling or seeing that play out, especially with 1010 and what you guys are doing? Right. Well, my first thought was, uh, from Ted Lasso and he's like, football is life. That's what it sounded like you said. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't love the word balance. And I've always talked about, I like the word rhythm a little better um, because balance kind of constitutes, I take this, I work this much, therefore I'm an equal, it's like an equal kind of scenario. I don't think that's real life. You know, like there's a reason it's a five day work week and then you have two days off. If any of us could figure out how to work three and a half days and then have three and a half days off, that kind of constitutes balance maybe a little more than rhythm. Rhythm is man, I got a season ahead. My family knows it. Like, honestly, it's July. I've already started talking with my wife and the boys about the fact that October, I've got a decent amount of travel and things going up, which part of moving to Orlando was, so I don't travel as much. So now there's a little bit more of like ramp up to that. Well, 
I know that on the sides, either side of that, I'm going to make some investments in my family so they don't feel like they got put over on the curb for a while. Right. So I'm going to find some rhythm in there. Now, again, I might be gone for four days. Doesn't mean I'm going to come home in the next week, take four days off from work. It means I'm going to take two days intentionally or even one and make it vary about this family. So I think rhythm is a piece of that, Todd, finding those rhythms. Like if you work in church world, like summertime should give you a little bit of a, an ability to maybe work uh, one day less a week potentially so that you can get some, some flow there. But you, you come to me and say, I'm taking off the, the third week in August. I'm going to go, that ain't going to work for us because school starts <laughs> and that's go time. You see what I mean? So it's just understanding we have rhythms to our calendars, rhythms to our things. Um, when it comes to our families, when it comes to um, trying to find, find health in the ways that we do it, I think a lot of it comes back to, I heard my friend say this, he's a musician. He said, Tyler, I'm, I'm tired of, uh, he said, I'm no longer, how did he say it? He said, I'm no longer chasing. I'm just going to be attractive. And I know what he's trying to say. In other words, like, I'm not going to chase all the things. I'm just going to do what I'm good at and, and pray that that's attractive to musicians or music producers or whatever. And his point in that was I've spent my, I've done the, I've done the pursuit of all the things that look like I should do next. Now I'm just going to be really good at what I do. Does that make sense? So I, yeah. I, I think there's, it's, that's just life. There's some maturity that happens in that to, to be frank with you guys. I, I don't, I don't spend my days thinking what else could I do to get more attention or notoriety or sell another book. I just don't spend my time there. I'm going, God, you planted me here. I'm going to take care of these people. Well, I want, I got four years left with my oldest. So I spend a lot of my time honestly thinking for others, how do they do that? Well, and for myself, how do I do that? Well, I remember when Josh and I started this, I went, Hey, warning, if we're going to try to keep people healthy, somehow we're going to have to fight for that in our own life. And, and that makes me a little nervous. True, truthfully, it's hard, you know? So I don't know if that answered your question, Todd, but it's just a yeah. few thoughts about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of actually leads into our third question or what, you know, what are, what are some two or three things that you have to do on a daily basis, um, you know, for your life and your leadership and what kind of benefits do you see in, in doing them? Magic. It's like, we knew that was the next question. Um, it's man. Uh, here's a couple things. I, I always think about the fact I'll give you one thing that I do as much as I know I do anything else. And this sounds corny and I apologize in advance. Anybody that comes to my mind throughout the day that is not in my normal scope of my day to day, just interaction, right? If someone comes to my mind who I haven't talked to and say, anywhere longer from four weeks to six years, something like that. I don't care. I'll just assume that God put them on my mind for some reason. And I'll send them a text and I just say, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Hope you're doing well. You guys, I can't even tell you how many times that has impacted someone by the fact that I can't believe you texted me today. Here's what's going on. Thank you for thinking of like little things. And I say that not in a look at me thing, it's just a practice of mine. It's just something that I've put in my day to day because what happens is three weeks ago, I'm sitting in Wyoming with a group of longtime friends. And as guys were sharing around the table, do you know what that was one of the most consistent things they said was Tyler, you got us in this room. More than important of that, 
you always seem to check on me at the right time. Hmm. Like this is a, just a total, but it's a big part of maybe my pastoral ministry is trying to include and make people feel seen and known. And so yeah, just one little habit that I do, I will tell you one habit that I need to do more consistently is obviously uh, exercise. I was about an eight out of 10 on my exercise before moving. Moving has thrown my whole life off. Okay, guys, we're going to get it back together eventually. But you need um, new rhythms. I, that's right. You need new rhythm. Dang it, Dan. See, rhythm this is the problem with dancer. leadership. You, <laughs> the problem with leadership is you talk about ideals and then you realize you can't live up to them. So there's the, that's the struggle for us leadership gurus. I would not call myself a guru. I don't even know where that word came from. I was thinking, I was looking at Todd and that clearly was uh, who I was <laughs> thinking about when I thought guru. All, um, I, do, so all that's, I do is tell people where I'm uh, constantly, where I'm struggling and what I'm <laughs> preaching to myself. That works exactly really, right. really well. Yep. Uh, and then the last thing I would say, and this is going to, again, it goes back to our very first question. It goes back to my thoughts in general is what am I doing every day to learn something new? 1%, one thing, one idea, one um, thought that I want to wrestle with a little bit more. And then a part of that is sometimes that thought is God nudging you to take a step towards something. And the next piece is going, okay, well, what? take a step towards that thing. I'm, I, I'm praying through wrestling with a pretty big step for my own, um, my own world. Um, and we just made a big step to, to Orlando. This, this took a lot of prayer, a lot of work coming from Atlanta, but it was one step, one day, one thought that became two step. You know what I mean? Like, um, it became the Texas two step, if you will, Todd. Um, I, my point is what does today's obedience step look like? And it's amazing how many people are like, man, you guys just seem to follow the Lord. Well, I don't know if I am. I'm just trying to take the next step. Uh, every day. And if I'm not looking, paying attention to praying, having discernment around so many people just do their work and wake up 10 years later and go, what have I been doing for the last 10 years? I just try to be in, in tune with maybe some of the ways that the spirit has been directing me. So, uh, I don't know if that answers the question. Well, I'm just telling you the three, two or three things that come to mind as I think about that. That's great. Well, you've talked about your, uh, boys and your family some, and you know, uh, I, we, we always wonder what does leadership in your home look like? I mean, you've gone through some major transitions in ministry. Um, yeah. you've had to step out in faith a few times. I know that, you know, that's now, if you look back, um, so over the last, you know, three or four years, but, um, what does leadership look like in your home? Maybe through that kind of process, but also day to day. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, clearly filled with incredible humor. That is the, the thing that I bring to the table that my kids don't even really appreciate yet, Todd they, and Dan. Like they don't even <laughs> completely fully understand the gift that I'm bringing to them, okay? Um, just, just to give some context to that, I grew up with a dad that probably had stock in Eddie's Trick Shop. And my dad used to take us on Saturday mornings at like when I was like six and he would, we would go to Kroger on the busiest morning of the week and he would drop a stink bomb down by the cash register and we would stand by frozen food and just giggle and watch. That's what I grew up with. So, you know, I do want to be somewhat fun. Here, here's the truth of the matter is I probably spend more time there. there I learned one thing from a friend, two, two things that, 
I, I say one and I said two, cause it's, it's kind of two different thoughts, two different examples. But, um, a friend told me one time, he said, Hey, one of the greatest things somebody gave me was the gift of, of just this piece of advice, include your kids on the God decisions. And when we've done that, so I'll give you an example. I, I, um, you know, used to lead this organization catalyst and, uh, felt like God was calling me into a new season. And, um, I processed that with our kids after we, my wife and I had gotten to a good point. And of course they were like nine and six and they were like, cool, whatever. Do we not get to go to the green room anymore? You know, like big decisions, uh, big questions that, that come to mind, but here's, what's crazy is like, and I thought, okay, cool, whatever. A month later, uh, it was my birthday and both the boys had, had kind of drawn me birthday cards. And one of them, my oldest, wrote, Hey dad, love you. Happy birthday. Thank you for showing us what it means to follow God. Just that simple thing. And I remember thinking, man, they're watching this stuff. But that advice is one of the ways I try to lead in our family is going, I don't want to just, I didn't have that template for God decisions. I didn't have that template for following in faith as a family. I want my boys to have that. You know, I want them to see what it looks like to wrestle something uh, that's faith driven to the ground to where when you take a step, you still don't completely know, but you're taking a step because you feel like you've done the due diligence and prayer and work. Uh, the other big piece, and my kids know this, and man, they're probably, like we were saying earlier, they're probably so over it. But like they play sports at a fairly competitive level, and they know I do not care how many points, how many assists, how many under par. If they were ever under par, I would care for the record. But um, <laughs> what I care about is how they carry themselves, how they respond to the coaches when the games aren't good. And I had a moment recently, and again, my kids are just like leadership, leadership, like dad, we get it. We get it. Okay. But one of my, my kids had a basketball game that just didn't go well. And he really lost his temper, uh, coming off, slapped the chair, you know, that kind of thing. And here's what's great. I mean, my wife, it's actually my wife. I had to hold from running out on the court and, and ripping him, you know, off that court and taking him home. And after the game, you guys, I, I don't know if I've ever been more proud. I look up and before the coach, could, they huddled before the coach could even say a word. He stepped in the middle of that thing. He looked at all those boys. He said, that's not who I am. I want to apologize for what I just did. That is not the kind of teammate I want to be. He said, and then of course it was just, I mean, I was just um, a wreck because I was so proud, not of the action, but the reaction. I was so proud of the leadership response that he had to a moment. We're all going to have those moments, right? But you got to own it. So I say that, like, I just try to keep leadership in front of them. Like we were talking about earlier, even Todd, like it just, Hey, what could you have done different in that? What, 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 how that make you feel about that? Why, why would it matter how you lead in that moment? I just, uh, we try to keep that real. And then the last thing I would just say is, um, I really just try to love my wife the best I know how and do that as a model for my, my kids. And so, um, I don't think I do it great all the time, but wait, I know I don't do it great all the time. So um, it's, it's hard work and moving has been a challenge cause it's, you know, that's home. Atlanta's home for both of us. And so walking through this season has been fascinating to try to navigate and love well, and also believe God at the same time. Hmm. That's really good. And, uh, you know, you talk about all of these different areas in which you've led and, um, had different ministry experiences in different seasons. You know, if you had to go back to, you know, your 20 year old self, what, what would you tell him as you, you know, are preparing to lead? 
Yeah, this question I used to ask a lot of uh, when I did podcasts or still do some, but this is what I keep going back to for me personally. And it goes back to when people say, where do you, people say, where do you start with leadership? I usually tend to point them to emotional intelligence. I think it's, it's such a foundational piece of great leadership. I really believe that if I was at 20 and somebody could have walked me through my personality assessments, my under, my self-awareness, if I was able to grow my self-awareness in my twenties, it would have benefited me like crazy in my late twenties, my thirties and my forties. If I knew myself, you know, you heard the phrase, know thyself to lead thyself. If I was able to know myself, truly understand my unique wiring, truly understand the way God's gifted me to lead, truly understand how, you know, what my, my strengths are. And also what are the things that I could get a little bit better at to be better all around? Like that self-awareness component at an early age is a gift. You know, I teach, I'm an adjunct professor down at Southeastern university and I, it's a service production course that I teach more emotional intelligence than I do service production because it is so critical that you learn what it looks like to be a strong, emotionally intelligent leader. So to me, that's what I would, I would probably always take myself back to. You know, one of the things I've done for years is and people that listen to the podcast for a while know whether it was <clears throat> on staff at McLean as uh, taking staff through uh, different personality type tests or <laughs> running the internship program at Lifeway always doing emotional intelligence, strength finder, Anna Myers-Briggs, or perhaps maybe an Enneagram. Uh, but <laughs> Todd's not a fan. Myers-Briggs. I am not either, Todd. You and I are in this together, bro. Yes. Uh, Myers-Briggs actually te- teaches you what how, how to interact and engage with people on a team and how well, to that's what I use right path people. or disc. Those both, those both have good profiles for that. Well, disc is great uh, simply because people can understand it. No matter, that's right. I, I, I'm sorry, no matter how smart you are or intelligent you are, you can't go to a two hour seminar on emotional intelligence. I'm sorry, not emotional intelligence on um, Enneagram. Enneagram and say, no, you're not a, you're, I know it said you're a six, but you're a three. <laughs> ah, you're a three. Or to talk about it incessantly or, or, or whatever. Um, wow. But let's be clear, Todd, at least it's putting self-awareness in front of, totally. of so well, many people, uh, but reason, I'm with you a hundred percent. The reason why and uh, Enneagram is great on the shadow side, your, your dark side, that's the best part of the, the profile. Um, but anyway, I would put people through those three types of tests because not because it puts you in a box, but because it helps you understand yourself That's and right. how to position yourself to be more successful. It doesn't mean yep. you say, Oh, this is my personality, my strengths finder and emotional intelligence. And it says, I don't have to answer email. No, um, <laughs> doesn't matter how detail oriented you are naturally or not. Um, Self-management is part of your emotional intelligence and self-awareness is part of your emotional intelligence. And you need to utilize those things to make sure that you put um, systems around yourself. Correct. To do that. And and so, gosh, it's just such an amazing, uh, we have such amazing tools to understand ourselves better and be intentional with it. Um, the, The algorithms of the world understand you um, way better than you understand yourself is the problem right. in most instances. And it knows how to distract you and X, Y, Z. 
if you can discipline yourself and live with intention, um, you're going to be, you're going to be a much better leader. Um, but man, you stumbled on such a key component of it though. How many people are completely aware they're a jerk, but never moved to behavior change, never moved to self relational management or uh, self management. That is, but if you don't understand EQ and you don't understand how that plays as a whole, that self-awareness is a piece of the puzzle. It is not the puzzle. It is so critical that you can use the assessments for what they're supposed to be, but they are not the driving force of your leadership or your ability to, to um, take what you know about yourself and apply it in the best ways possible. One last thing I'll say about Tyler is we mentioned he was an author. We didn't mention his latest book, which is leading stuff you didn't start. Mm. And wow, uh, so many guys are coming into situations today where they are leading something that they didn't start. And you can be, you know, frustrated. You can be, there's all these emotions that kind of come with that. Right. Um, but really having a practical understanding and a framework like that's outlined in that book is really, really beneficial mm-hmm. for you to come through and, and do um, well and leading in that role. I might also add that um, Tyler came in and did content for us from that book on uh, Ministry Grid. So if you have a Ministry Grid subscription, you can, you can find that. And I've, I've heard it's the, the highlight of everyone's year. Is that fair? It is. It's, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Rave reviews. <laughs> um, Tyler, thank you so much for being a part of uh, this conversation today. It's great to have you on the Five Leadership Question podcast. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, do us a favor. Write us a review wherever you uh, stream your podcasts and tune in to our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us today. 